Hi guys and welcome to our latest response physio podcast and in today's episode we're going to be looking at sports injuries and we're actually really fortunate to have a special guest with us, uh, Dean Conway who was the former England cricket physio and is the current owner of CRX Compression. So we're going to discuss uh, all things sports injuries, healing times, things like that and what role compression has and other um, treatment methods have in recovering from sports injuries. So let's dive into the podcast. So Dean, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thanks, Josh. Good, good, good. And yeah, like I said, just pleasure to have you on and thank you for joining us. Yes, pleasure. It's, um, you know, it's a um, new partnership for us with uh with you guys at, at response and uh, hopefully you benefit uh, both of us long term. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of which, just before we get stuck in, uh, just give the people listening just a bit of context of who you are, what you do, um, where you've been and what you're doing now. Um, well, my name's Dean Conway. I'm, I'm sort of founder and director with uh, CRX Compression uh, Limited. Um, but my background is is clinical, really. Josh, uh, 30, 30, 35 years in, in elite sport primarily. Um, trained in Cardiff as a, as a physio and then did an osteopath degree 10 years after that in Oxford Brooks. Um, but worked primarily in, in as I said, in, in elite sport and, and mainly cricket, bizarrely, which was not a huge sport of mine. Never played the game. No uh, very much a rugby lad. But um, yeah, got involved. I was playing rugby down at Cardiff and, uh, and the physio there needed someone to cover at Glamorgan in, back in 1989 and uh, I took a six-month job there which which allowed me to play play rugby in the winter and, and work in cricket in the summer and obviously um, grew, moved on from that really and ended up working with England for over about 15-16 years across a team and uh, about eight or nine years as head of sort of medical services there for the for the first team um, obviously with a lot of travel and touring and and work involved in that, um, but behind behind that, we've always worked in clinic situations, corporate health, uh, MSK triage. You know, we've we've been a, a mixed sort of workload with my partner Sean, Sean Knott for much of that time. Um, so, you know, elite sport core to it, but um, pretty much experienced across um, most areas that we we tend to work in in physio provision. You know? Sounds good. Well, that brings us perfectly on to the uh, topic of discussion for today so we're going to have a little look at sports injuries which i think you'll have definitely some insight on based on what you've just said which is great mm -hmm. uh we'll have a little bit of a chat maybe as well later on we're about sort of the use of compression and obviously that's something your um your company is aiming to sort of just get out there so i think that'll be uh, useful to discuss cause i think it's got a real role hasn't it in that sports injury process yeah. and even outside of that which obviously we'll we'll get to as a starting point then uh, if we look at just sports injuries in general uh, if you maybe just give a bit of an overview just for the people listening what are some of the typical uh, types of sports injuries that uh, that we might see um, just in, from sports in general um, that people might suffer with um not, not being too sort of sports specific on this because you know we've worked across um rugby cricket football you know they're, com they're completely different sports and and i think from a physio point of view a lot of it comes down to your mechanism of injury and what mm. 
what trauma's going on, what pathology's going on there. And clearly, you know, in rugby these days, with the collisions, it's a different sport to manage than than cricket. You know, which is is more a, a you know a, um, an endurance sport almost, highly skilled sport. Um, you know, cricket compared to arguably compared to rugby and football. Yeah. Um, but you know, essentially, uh, the the principles of sports injuries and, and sports medicine and, and sports management um, uh, apply across the three sort of main sports, as I'd see it, as well as the sort of individual, you know, and Olympic sports as well. Um, you know, it, it it goes back to the basics, I think, Josh, of, of mm-hmm. rice, which we were taught as day one physio students, rest, ice, compression, elevation is still still applies you know there's different techniques to to achieve those those inputs these days um mm-hmm. from you know as we touch on later but pneumatic compression um you know com- compress ice post injury um there's huge areas that we can we can we can affect the healing process now and manage the healing process in sport but uh i think in in summary as well if the, the key elements here often you know, diagnostics as well and where mm-hmm. your MRIs, your X-rays and CTs sit in, in how you manage a sports injury. And and for me, I, I was very much, you know, I would try and look at what the clinical findings are before yeah. the diagnostic findings. Um, I think there's a move today to maybe a little, it's driven a little bit more by the diagnostics findings rather than the the clinical findings, which which is yeah. is a little sad because it, it tends to compartmentalise injuries into severity and prognosis and right that's eight weeks, that's six weeks, that's four mm-hmm. weeks where where things can progress really quickly in some people and and look dreadful on scan but clinically yeah. present really well and and conversely you know they can um, they can be clear on scan and they can still have an issue in particular with, with spines and stuff so so I yeah. think. Um, yeah, the management of sports injuries and around the sporting arena, if you like, um, is no different to what we would see in in uh, and yourselves with response in the clinic side of things. You know, the approach is the same. What, what do we think that the pathology is underneath there, and how we're going to manage it essentially? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's actually a really good point, isn't it? Because I think it's very easy to, um, you know see professional sport on tv and you know whatever follow it and think that it's this sort of other world and you can't imagine what that's like but actually essentially these individuals are just made of the same stuff that we all are and actually a lot of the principles that are used in elite sport um you know apply to obviously the average person as well um if we take as an example then and this is probably quite a good one to sort of bring as a common denominator you know if someone has acute injury Let's just maybe just touch on and just describe for the ones listening just around healing process. So let's say it's an acute injury. Um, someone's had some sort of trauma or, you know, sprained ankle, muscle tear, that sort of thing. Maybe just talk us through just briefly sort of that healing process and times. Um, because like I said, that's something that affects the everyday person on the street, but then also that elite athlete as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the type of things that are... Um run parallel to elite sport and, and you know joe blogs is is as you mentioned there potentially you know a turned ankle you can fall off a curb and, and, and damage ankle ligaments as severely as somebody you know running between the wickets in a in a test match essentially and the approach mm-hmm. would be would be exactly the same i mean i think if you 
if you take that as a simple example, first up, you've got to rule out any bony damage in there. So, and this is for you know, you know the the individual uh, general public, um, the same as the elite athlete. So you need to rule out any sort of generally any sort of fibula fracture in there with some plain films potentially. You know, you often get that avulsion injury on on mm. the outside of the ankle there. Um, look for that, but essentially the ankle testing and and uh, protocols for stability testing and are the same in in an elite athlete as as a member of the public. You know, you're looking for instability in that draw test anteriorly. Um, you know, what level of of loss of function they've got their ability to weight bear. Um, and essentially, once you've once you've nailed the required diagnostics, which you know maybe that's where it may differ slightly. You know, Joe Public would would maybe have a plain X-ray and be put in a walking boot, and then appointment for physio. And, and you know, the elite athlete would would possibly have follow up MRI scans as well to look at the damage, yeah. the degree of damage within those ATFL ligaments and stuff. And uh, and manage their prognosis and rehab plan from there in, in a bit more detail. But the principles are are exactly the same, you know. And then again, from a from a healing time point of view, the whole aim of, of physios in sport is to speed up that healing time. There's a normal healing time to something like that, which may be six to eight weeks. And, mm. you know, the last two to three weeks of that may be, you know, functional training and loaded progressive weight bearing, back to running, change of angle. Um, proprioceptive exercises to get them back into condition for for getting back onto the field, you know, whereas Joe mm. may just need to get stable enough to, to get back to work, to play golf and to walk the dog. So you've got a slightly different achievements you're trying to trying to do with the athlete as as to, as opposed to a member of the public, you know. But in principle I think, you know, you're looking at at each each assessment is you know where's the swelling going is it looking improving is the range of movement improved are they are they in less pain when they're weight bearing um all those normal progressions dictate how quickly you progress them and and what mm. your what your treatment protocols could be from you know friction tech friction techniques you know ultrasound mobilizations whatever you want to use on it obviously we we advocate hugely wherever there's swelling there to compress that through um, you know, either compression products, CRX type range of products, or um, you know, we use a lot of the cohesive bandages as well now in acute mm. injuries just to control that initial bleed. The problem is you you need a degree of bleed to heal the tissues. You know, so it's it's not about dampening things down completely and, and chucking everything at it with yeah, you know, with iced compression, heavy compression bandages, non-steroidal anti-inflams everything you can hit it with because you, you just need to control that that exudate to allow the tissue to heal in time mm -hmm. you know but what you're trying to do is just you know maybe cut a couple of weeks off that eight week prognosis in sport and, and similarly in the general public i think the same same approach yeah definitely i think it's that thing isn't it is that actually you know the body is an amazing healer and that is like i said something that sort of binds us all it's a bit of a common denominator you know we've all got a sort of idea to some degree of that healing process but at the same time there are lots of things we can do along the way that almost i th I sort of seem to think about it in my mind of almost optimizing that process um so yeah, what I, mean, some... I, I, I try and um the phrase i've always used as well is trying to normalize things as soon as possible yeah. i mean 
you know, in, in cricket, for example, we'd, we'd often get one of the big injuries with the bowlers is a side injury. So external, mm-hmm. internal oblique tears. Um, they're slow healers. They're functionally, they just cannot bowl once they've torn that for, for mm. you know, anywhere from four to 12 weeks, essentially. Mm. And it's very much slow and steady return to, to bowling, you know, for risk of recurrent injuries and stuff. But, yeah. you know, as a cricketer, that's, that's potentially half your season in the summer gone as a bowler. Yeah. But you can still bat. And, mm-hmm. and I, I get frustrated when they, they don't allow, you know, um, the, the, the senior pros and, and even the junior pros to, to still play cricket so they can still bat without irritating that side too much. Mm-hmm. You know, they still they, they may be a little bit uncomfortable, but, you know, they still feel part of the, the game and they're still working on another skill. You know, yeah. it's about batting, bowling, fielding, so they can still work on one skill in that game. And that normalisation in their mind, for me, will, will, will help the healing process of their side injury as well. Yeah. And, and the sooner we can get, you know, normality back, and the same for in, in clinic with, you, you know, who, you know, play social golf or walk their dogs or swim, um, the sooner we can get them back to even modified activity, then I think psychologically it really helps um, helps people on that on that road back to a quicker recovery, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think even just um, physical recovery as well. So I... Um talk about this a lot with patients of almost we've got to we've got to remind the body that it's injured so actually if you're not creating stimulus if you're not creating activity and load you're not then continually stimulating the tissues to remind the body to continue to heal that um and i think that's you know that's a big part as well isn't it of that like normalization as you said of actually you know let's not do nothing like actually there's still if we can do it there's lots of things we can do and actually that right level of activity and load will help and continue to help that healing process yeah, yeah. Um, and, and i mean you know what that does to your proprioceptive um yeah feedback, exactly, which yeah. you know when people say what well, what's that and it's it's essentially knowing where your joint is in space without mm. thinking about it so if you bend your yeah. nail um in, you know, and close your eyes and straighten and bend. It's that proprioceptive feedback that tells you what position your, you know, the end of your finger is in space. Essentially, we'll only apply that to the larger joints. Mm. Um, you know, proprioceptors are cru- proprioceptors are crucial um, ability to stabilize subconsciously. Do you know what I mean? And mm. that's only fed by repeat movements, repeat movements, you know, and controlled movements. So exactly as you said, Josh, just just trying to normalize those things as soon as possible um, mm. feeds that proprioceptive feedback and, and adds to stability and improvement, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think we're touching on, probably without even realizing, this sense of if you injure something, you're automatically at a loss. So you're going to lose function, you're going to lose integrity of that structure, you're going to lose, um, you know, strength, you're in pain, so actually quality of life gets lost. Yeah um actually so therefore if there's loss we've got to then regain and i think this is back a little bit to that point doesn't it of optimization is actually the body does a really good job naturally of healing but actually at the same time we could do an even better job by optimizing a few certain things so we've touched on a few things that might might now be a good juncture just to get into some of those compression side of things in terms of what we've just discussed of optimizing 
sort of the recovery yeah, well, process. Yeah, I mean, just give them a bit of an insight on that. Yeah, well, well, CRX Compression is um, a company I've I've been involved with for three or four years now, um, and it's the core products are a compression product for uh, sport, but the general public as well, and and you know corporate health, and uh, we're looking to move into lymphedema, wound care. Um, our products are class one medical device, which are quite unique in this space. Um, by that, you, you have a certain level of quality control and CE mark that you have to achieve, you know. So what you, the levels of compression are measured um, under a, a Hatra machine um, to make sure that, you know, what you say is on the box is actually <laughs> happening. Um, yeah. The products range from calf guards to socks to uh, joint supports, um, our tights are a premium product for hip and knee issues and stuff and upper body stuff again quite relevant to the rugby lads these days with their impact mm-hmm. and things um uh, we've also brought a range of of generic orthotics on board and and the crx which again will address sort of minor biomechanical issues that you guys will see in clinic from, mm-hmm. from back hip and knee down yeah. um as a real early <clears throat> intervention in that and then the crx care pump which is a a pneumatic compression, which is um, a fantastic machine that's, you know, currently offers double what the, the leading sort of compression range offers elsewhere at the moment, um, up to 220 millimeters of mercury compression, which is which is amazing um, in different sections on 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 legs, uh, uh, upper limb, uh, and even bilateral sort of shoulder attachments. So you can apply serious compression and an effleurage type massage uh flushing into injured joints you know acutely injured uh chronic issues um for recovery clearly they they've got huge indications um post exercise and stuff so our range cuts across a lot of areas essentially but i think you touched on earlier josh what what compression offers and and i i used to think quite mechanical as a as a clinician, that if you've got some edema somewhere, be it through a chondral defect in the knee or, you know, early onset away through the hip, there's there's going to be a level of hidden edema there, which we can't see yeah. and they may not be presenting with any symptoms. And, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd like to suggest that our products prophylactically can, can help reduce that edema, progressing to exactly what you said earlier, which is, um, you get edema, whether it's slow grain, whether it's acute from, as you mentioned earlier, that ankle tear where mm. clearly it's edematous from day one, um, or creeping edema or, or hidden edema. Um, basically, that's going to press on nociceptors, your, your pain receptors around that area. Um, so you're going to get increased edema, increased pain, loss of function, as you touched on. And all our products try and intervene at the start there, Josh, to make sure we we reduce edema, reduce pain, and improve function. So we're, our aims are the complete opposite of what's going on in a normal mm-hmm. inflammatory response, you know. And uh, and w- we've had some fantastic feedback. Um, and it's it's quite a new space. It's it goes back to that basic rice, you know, rest, ice compression elevation uh, input um, that was probably around um you know 100 years ago and simple philosophies <laughs> like that but essentially we're enhancing the compressive element of that now mm-hmm. and, and really trying to focus on that because i think it's more important than ice you know at, at, at the mm-hmm. start of an acute injury 
you know, managing a, a six-month ACL rehab. You're going to get new bleeds and things like that at stages of progression. And again, yeah. that's where compression becomes important again, you know, from, from walking to jogging to running with an ACL repair. Or as you say, a simple, you know, ankle turn, uh, soleus tear, um, all these progressions uh, are going to cause edema and, and our products help control that edema and reduce pain. Yeah. I think obviously we focus probably primarily more in sort of that acute situation, but obviously be sort of remiss really with the theme of sport. So actually then not discuss compression as a use for recovery. Um, so just just maybe touch on that uh, just for a, a minute or two, just in terms of the role of compression. That it yeah, has. It's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, again, it's um, we're just developing rugby protocols with um with our partners, the Dragons, Bath, Gloucester, Scarlets. Uh, and we're looking at um, something called like the 48-hour wrap. So the impact these guys go through in sport is is scary. There are people who've seen that on a on a weekend. And, and what we're yeah. trying to say is generically the whole team should try and wrap with a tight and a top on as much as they can for that sort of first 48 hours, 70, 72 hours post-game. Yeah, and the reason behind that, the hidden edema theory, is that you know they may feel totally fine and adrenaline through the game, and but there'll be minor little bleeds in there through through joints and muscle tissues and micro tears and stuff that you know will continue to bleed for the forty eight hours post game and will will present themselves on a Tuesday as you start training again or mm-hmm. you know and this this principle applies to you know OA hips OA knees the same sort of thing about the the hidden edema side of things that compression can help with mm. um but our protocols there uh, we're looking to develop sort of um that 48 hour wrap principle uh the guys wear the socks now for travel and stuff as well with yeah. uh, obviously the urc they fly down to south africa it's back and forth island scotland in, in flights and stuff mm. and, and they the calf guards they wear during games because they they do improve uh, vo2 so there's a performance element to them as well but you know, our protocols very much keep keep our gear clean and dry and wear it at rest where you can. So not yeah. to use during activity. Um, <clears throat> you can in rugby. I mean, some of the guys now on the 4G pitches will wear our tights as, as a secondary sort of protection against them. But they must have a pair of clean and dry ones then for for post the game mm-hmm. um, so that they can, they can recover from that point of view. And what we're looking to do really is, um, I think if they... If they wear them, what I found, and this is completely unscientific, but you know, with the England boys and and beyond in a in a test match and stuff, where they they're covering twenty five kilometers in a day, um, which is amazing given the the data we've got now through yeah. through catapult and the, and the like. Um, they they come off shower, wear the tights uh, that evening and sleep in them, and the next morning, you know, ninety five percent of them say their legs feel feel lighter than what they normally mm. would after a, a day in the field, especially early season, you know, as, as they start to build up their strength into that. So it's important that our protocol is very different to how a lot of people might think they'd use compression, you know, around during activity and that sort of thing. We mm-hmm. very much know we use it post-activity. And if you use it during that day and um, compress there, you, you don't quite get, <clears throat> it'll control sort of, any sort of um, fluid buildup, be it from, you know, fatigue or from trauma through the day. But as you take them off and shower, then you you get 
I believe you get a sort of secondary sort of flush then and additional mm. sort of bleeds and stuff, which actually the next day make you worse. So mm. we flipped that completely, you know, just again, goes back to that normalized theory, just play yeah. the game. You know, you're going to get fatigued, you're going to get lactic buildup, you're going to get that. Um, but when you come off um, shower, if you can use the CRX care pump in, in stages of recovery, you know, once through the evening or whatever, um, you should be on that as well. But certainly the tights uh, on, clean and dry, sleep in them and take them off the next morning for the next day then. And they, they do control that edema and lactic buildup. Um, and, and the idea of compressing post-activity is obviously to control that edema. Mm. If we compress around that activity and then take them off, that edema is uncontrolled in the evening and through, yeah. the, through the night sleeping. And you're, you're actually, symptomatically, you can be worse the next morning. So yeah, of course. it's a slightly different approach from our point of view for that, yeah. Yeah. No, really, really interesting, really interesting. And that's a really good point to finish on. Uh, perfectly, perfectly summed up. Uh, thanks again for your time, Dean. Uh, it's been really, really useful, really insightful. Um, and yeah, I'm sure the people listening have, have found that helpful too. So yeah, thanks again. Pleasure. Thanks, Josh. Take care, Dean. Bye-bye. Bye. So as always, thanks again for listening. If you want to check out other episodes and podcasts that we have done, find us on Spotify and iTunes at Response Physio Podcast. If you could also leave us a review, that would be great and much appreciated. And until then, we'll see you on a future episode trying to help you keep moving and keep you healthy. Take care, everyone.